You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly of many a Cleveland sports blog. Uh, now all of Locked On. Uh, quick note at the top of the show, remind everyone to go check out the Locked On MLB show with Sully. I've been on there multiple times. Great dude, fellow teacher. Go check that out. We have the game to talk about today. There's quite a bit to unpack. Um, let's just start with the... Uh, Jose Ramirez. Uh, he gets taken out of this one. Precautionary. Uh, he had a pair of doubles in the game. And yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez, it like just end the season now. If the Indians don't have Jose Ramirez, everything else that has happened, a dehydration or a precaution due to dehydration. Um, I mean, he's played a lot. He hasn't had an off day. Maybe a give, I mean, luckily the Indians have a bunch of off days coming off. Uh, I, I really hope. And I don't know if I've ever said these words, but I really hope it is just dehydration if you did not catch the game. So he hit, I believe, the go-ahead run. Had a double, that, two doubles in this one, as a matter of fact. Knocks in the go-ahead run in the sixth inning, I believe. I'm sorry, in the seventh. He lines out. Uh, the Indians go one, two, three. And then he's taken out after that. So he, uh, he come, Chang comes in and takes his place for the 8th and the ninth. It's a 6-3 game at that point in time, uh, so it's, it's a situation. We'll get into Karen Chalk again with the struggles. But it the Indians have a big lead. He's played a lot of baseball. It probably is just dehydration. It's probably just an opportunity to let him get a rest. And let's be honest, he's not the best defender, and they're in a situation where it's very unlikely he's coming back to bat, uh, the defensive metrics have been bad. He they put in a better defender at third. They uh, and they let him get a rest. It, there's a logic to it. I'm not too freaked out. But anytime Jose Ramirez leaves the game early, you're kind of like, oh great. So Karen Chalk in the ninth. So the Indians are up six three. You gotta love. I, I mean, I just want to double check before I make a statement. But I feel like yeah. So Karen Chalk gets a save because he's terrible. Like, if he's not terrible, well, I guess it is only a three-run lead, so he would have probably he would have up for the save. But still, uh, he gets a save when he's just back-to-back awful outings. So single, wild pitch, they get the fly out, another single, strikeout, another single, another single, a walk, and the ground out. It's just, ugh, you know, not the ideal very hittable in that inning. Four hits. Uh, the one walk. They get two across. The Indians manage to, by the skin of their teeth, come away with a win in this one. It must be the new rule that if you uh, you hit a home run, you must have an error in the game. Austin Hedges goes deep, also makes an error. Uh, specifically leads to the, is it count? No, it was a double that then Billy Hamilton ends up turning into a, a home run. You know, quotation mark home run because it wasn't actually a home run uh, as he comes around to score. So who reached base twice in this one? Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, and Harold Ramirez. 
you know, Harold Ramirez is sitting there with an OPS of what, do the quick math here, a little over 700. He's been okay. He's not walking at all, so the average, is his on-base percentage is pretty low. Have to comment on Bradley Zimmer, who's got an OPS over 700 as well. You know, he's actually playing decent, uh, definitely better than some of the players they had out there earlier in the year. It's not like he was great in this game or anything like that, but you know, another hit for him. Uh, stolen base-wise, Ahmed Rosario and Harold Ramirez each got a stolen base. You look at the box score. White Sox out hit him, and the, I bet they outwalked him. They did four walks to one by the Indians. So the White Sox actually had more opportunities, but it was the Indians who took advantage. If you listen to the show yesterday, I talked about Dylan Cease uh, a little bit in depth at the end of the show, and the struggles I predicted were there. Uh, they end up, well, they, he ends up only going uh, three and a third, gives up the six runs, just two strikeouts, uh, eight hits and one walk. Side note, after Cease leaves, again, that's only three and a third innings, so that means you get another uh, four and two-thirds innings. The Indians manage one hit, no walks off the bullpen for the White Sox. That was it. After Cease left, they got nothing. Just one hit the rest of the game. Luckily, the six runs they got off of Cease held up uh, for them in this one. Starting pitcher-wise, and not, not one of Bieber's best, not one of his worst. Seven innings, two earned runs, seven strikeouts, two walks. Uh, after the brilliant performance against the Tigers, this was, you know, it was not, it was a mid-range, mid-range performance by him against a very tough team. Uh, so who are you picking as your stars? Uh, it's a mid-range Bieber, still seven innings of two-run baseball, so he gets one of them. Uh, Shaw had, a you know, an okay inning. I don't know if I want to do a whole lot with his hit and his walk. Karen Chalk is obviously out of it. I think you have to go Jose Ramirez with the pair of doubles in this one and the game winner there. Austin Hedges, the home two-run home run was a huge hit in the game, but he also allowed a run to come through uh, with his defensive issue, and he didn't have anything else. Uh, I think you give it to Harold Ramirez with two hits and a stolen base over Ahmed Rosario, who had the hit, the walk, and the stolen base. I think Harold Ramirez gives you a little more value. And hey, with that win, the Indians are now two and a half back of the Sox. Not as good as they were when this started. They are the middle point as the Royals are five games back. They are exactly you know, halfway between those two uh, in that matchup. You know, I was realizing uh, the other day when I was talking about players performing well in AAA, and we'll talk about, we'll look at the AAA pitchers later on the show today. I totally missed Ernie Clement getting the call up uh, as the 27th man on Sunday, you know, unfortunately for him, he didn't really get an opportunity to do much with that. I, you know, I was talking that he's playing well, uh, got the call up, has still never played in the big leagues. Uh, maybe he'll get that opportunity, but uh, again, playing well in a short sample size. I just, because he got called up for the day and then sent down and it was just for the doubleheader. It totally flew past me about that happening. Uh, so I just wanted to take a moment here and comment on that. That's the game. Another win by the Indians. They have the off day, or I'm sorry, they have, they're going to finish up the series uh, tomorrow. We'll talk about that matchup also a little bit later in the show. Off day Thursday, and then Baltimore. I and mean, they have a real opportunity. If they can win tomorrow, it's, it's not a great matchup for them, let's be honest. But if they can win tomorrow, then you've got Baltimore 
where you're going to Baltimore, but that's a series you should win. So things are setting up well for the Indians, and we talked about that. Now is the time for them to find success. Now is probably as weak as the schedule is going to get in terms of off days and who they face. They need to end June in first. Like If they want to compete for this division, they have to end June in first. That's just the truth of it. If your hope is to win this division, that's where you should be because otherwise July is rough and you're not going to get those opportunities. So strike now, uh, strike fast, strike hard, no mercy. That's where we should be going right now for uh, the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Let's be honest, though, this offense has shown nothing but mercy. It's the kindest, kindest, gentlest soul so far this year, unfortunately. We'll see if that can improve when they uh, start facing some of these squads that are in full rebuild mode. Our newest sponsor uh, in today's episode is brought to you in part by Fully Loaded Chew. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that give you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz you're used to without tobacco. Available in nine flavors, Fully Loaded Chew is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine available. It's the only moist nicotine pouch on the market. All their nicotine pouches are dry, wet, white pouches. Nothing dips, nothing dips, spits, and packs like Fully Loaded. Fully Loaded Chew is offering the Locked On Team listeners a special offer. Right now you can try a can for just a dollar. That's right, just one dollar. Go to FullyLoadedChew.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. Just one dollar and free shipping if you use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. All one word. The next time you go for a dip, make it Fully Loaded Chew at FullyLoadedChew.com. So we got an interesting pitching matchup. Eli Morgan was supposed to start this Wednesday game against Lance Lynn, who we've talked about earlier, has been fantastic for the White Sox. Uh, I was going through the notes, and I don't really have a reason why Morgan was scratched. I feel bad for the kid uh, after the terrible appearance last week. I, that, I mean, honestly, there could be a degree of confidence. Like, do you really want to have him face the White Sox lineup after having to face Toronto's in the weather he faced him? You know, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if they would think that far ahead or in that way. But, I mean, it's conceivable. Uh, but Morgan, a late change. It said we're going to have Juan Carlos Mejia making his first major league start. Probably going to be limited innings. Uh, it's I would assume he's probably on a three to four inning max. Yeah, he'd been a starter in the minors, but he's been mostly working out of the pen. He did pitch an inning and two-thirds on Monday. So we'll see. He's looked great. Uh, He's been fantastic in his call-up. It means he's due to probably get hit around at some point. On the other side of things, I talked about Lance Lynn's been fantastic. This is not a great matchup for the Indians. Uh, Tomorrow's game... I would not, uh, if I was going to go over to bet online, I would not be taking the Indians in this one. But with the information <laughs> I have been giving you uh, in those matchups, I feel like maybe uh, that's the best piece of uh, information you're going to hear is that I'm not favoring the Indians in this one. Like I've been off on like my last six of those bet online ad reads over the uh, the past uh, week or so. But yeah, so no Morgan. And said uh, you got Juan Carlos Mejia. I'm curious to see what he can do. He has looked very good. I did not expect him to look this good or to pitch as well as he has. I am curious, you know, looking ahead, uh, Sam Henches is supposed to pitch Friday. If he struggles again, is he getting, would they consider demoting him? 
does he become the guy where McKenzie has kind of pitched his way into being back on the roster at those uh, last two outings? Is Henches possibly the guy who uh, loses a spot if they want to give Morgan more than one start? I don't know. We'll have to see. If Mejia pitches well, they're stretching out Quantrell. They're giving themselves options, which you go back two, three weeks, there weren't any. Due to injury and uh, pitchers who had been used as relievers who were part of that starting pitching depth needing to be stretched out, they didn't have a lot of options. This is something they kind of had to do. And thanks to also a few surprise performances, I feel like, that you feel a little bit better about the shape of the rotation for the Cleveland Indians uh, as they're heading forward into these next few weeks. Uh, Baltimore, I mean, they're probably as bad as you uh, think they are. We'll, We'll spend more time on that. Well, actually, we won't spend more time on that on tomorrow's show. Tomorrow's show, I'm talking... Let's do the mid-show plug. I'm talking with Carlos Colazzo. Uh, we're doing a video pod tomorrow afternoon. It'll go up uh, for Thursday. I've known Carlos like virtually for a while. We've had a lot of fun interaction. Always been very nice to me. If you are not familiar with Carlos, Carlos is Baseball America's face. Uh, him, I mean, he's, I feel like John, John Manuel ended up, was the other guy who used to be on the broadcast with him. John ended up in the Twins, I believe, uh, organization. So I think it is now just Carl. I mean, Carlos, I can't think who was on the uh, the show with him. But I mean, if you watch the broadcast, Carlos is part of that. He is in a suit. He is there talking about players. He is, you know, they're Todd McShay, as it were. Uh, really nice guy. The first thing I always say about Carlos and the first thing everyone says is he is one of the nicest people you can hope to meet knows his stuff. Uh, I'm excited to actually like talk with him. We've had so many like email or messaged interactions. Uh, I think he's a really good dude and it'll be a fun chat. It's going to be a lot about uh, the draft and then about some recent Indian drafts, but I just wanted to bring that up. We're getting, you know, like I said, one of the national guys to come on and talk about prospects uh, from I mean, Baseball America that was the name in my youth, uh, my youth being my early 20s. But you you can't fault the track record there. You know, it's that job that Carlos has now. Before him, it was Hudson's who ended up, uh, he works in the Diamondback system. And Hudson, before he left, was the best at it. Like, there, I don't, there's no debate in my mind. No one was better than Hudson. And before him, you, you have guys like Jim Callis who are now, at MLB on kind of a front and center position. You have guys like Connor Glassy, I believe was there with that. Who's now an Indian scout. Uh, Long Decker, I think was there. Who's another Indian scout. I mean, the Indians took, went heavily from there. John Manuel, I talked about who I believe is now over with the twins. It's uh, a position that you either end up moving on to a major league squad. Uh, if Carlos wants to do that in his future, it's, it's going to open up for him to do that. And if you choose to not do that, then you eventually end up, I mean, Mayo and Callis are essentially the, you know, the front and center pieces. Those are the legitimate, like that's your, your, uh, Mel Kuyper-y type roles. And, and Carlos is the next in my mind, because I just ignore Dan O'Dowd and Harold, uh, Reynolds, but, uh, Carlos does fantastic work. It'll be a lot of fun. If that is your thing, uh, I could dive into the minutia of the draft for hours 
So I just more have to uh, make sure that we're talking a little bit about the Indians. I will see what his view on Logan Allen, Logan T. Allen, I guess is what we're calling him. I still vote for Logan Allen the younger, but uh, since every other evaluator I've talked with has uh, brought him up, I will make sure to see if he is on the Logan T. Allen hype train. Week after that, I'm going to have Burke uh, Granger come back on who we had earlier in the year, another guy gotten to know in the trenches of the draft in prospect world. Great guy, does fantastic work over at D1 Baseball. So Carlos this week, Burke next week. Maybe I'll talk with Brian and see if he's available in week three, and I can just talk to some of my favorite people. I had a nice long chat recently with with a few people and some inside intel uh, the Indians sent the house to go check out J. Sarah High School, uh, maybe the top high school program in the country when it comes to baseball. Indians love California. You know, they draft heavily out of California. Isaiah Green, who they got in the uh, Lindor trade, California kid. Petey Halpin, who they gave all that money to, California kid. They go heavy in California. That's just a known fact. Uh, it's a place they scout. J. Sarah is a fantastic program and they got two guys there to watch uh gauge jump is a 5'9 5'10 pitcher really good mechanics really good secondary stuff undersized uh it's gonna be a hard sell and he's got a big um supposed to be a you know a decent ask it feels like a guy to me who's likely going to end up going to college and then Cody Schreiber is the switch hitting shortstop who fits the Indians mold to a T. Uh, so I want to say, you know, Scott Barnsby, who's the head of amateur scouting, was there uh, from the reports I got. So just keep those two names in mind. That's some uh, inside information from the trail. Uh, I did an impromptu mock last week, had Chase Petty going to the Indians. I got to sit down and start transferring over some of my profiles I've been working on. But yeah, the draft is getting closer. You know, we're almost a month away. It is kind of nice for me now that I don't teach in Ohio because, you know, in Ohio, at least where I taught, school is done everywhere. I still got two more weeks as a teacher. So in the old draft system where, like, the draft would be next week, uh, I'd be dead man walking. I would not have the ability nor the time to really get into that. So the fact that it's in July is going to give me a lot more time to sit down and sink my teeth into it. Now, it also means that it's something that gets to hang over my head until the middle of July. Uh, I'd love a happy medium. I'd kind of love back when it was more of a a late June thing, uh, mid to late June. Uh, But I think where it is is best for the draft itself and for the game. So it's All-Star Weekend. It's going to be interesting to see that draft come from Colorado this year. Completely different situation. Kind of a fun thing for us all to check out. Well, it is time to talk about sports trade. It's where fantasy sports meets the stock market. Uh, sports trade takes fantasy to a new, lo- new level. It's like Robinhood for fantasy sports. Their platform allows you to buy and sell shares in your favorite players, just like real stocks. Finally, a fair and exciting way to cash in on your knowledge of sports. And they just added baseball to the platform this past May. So check it out today. Making money with sports trade is as simple as player values rise and fall based on two factors. One, their statistical performance in each game as compared to their projected fantasy points in the game. The more points scored, the higher their value goes. So, very traditional. Two, good old supply and demand. 
The more demand a player has, the higher the value. Ready to buy shares, pick the penny stock in a rookie with huge upside or grab the vet uh, who's always been a solid performer. Instantly buy and sell as many shares and as many players as you like, just like the stock market. Then watch your players battle and your portfolio value rise. Simply go to sportstrade.com, watch the How It Works video, then sign up to get started. Sign up today at sportstrade.com and discover the fun and exciting and profitable world of sports trading. This is truly the evolution of fantasy sports. You'll be amazed. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Get in the game at sportstrade.com. So let's go over to Bet Online. Let's see if they agree with my earlier uh, mention that I think uh, the Indians are going to get a run and a half in that game tomorrow. Uh, the change in pitching matchups, I mean, there's a decent chance that the game won't even be listed as you know a late change like that affects things so much that, yeah, the Indians game is not listed tomorrow. I think a big part of that is such a late change in the matchup uh, just messes it all up. But remember, when you go to bet online, it's not just baseball. Right now, I see tennis, soccer, horse racing, martial arts, hockey, golf, football, boxing, basketball, uh, player props, game props, futures, other sports, racebook, esports, blackjack, live betting, anything you could want. You go to betonline.ag, use that promo code locked on to get a 5 0, 50% bonus. Stanley Cup playoffs, $1,000 welcome bonus. $10,000 matchup contest with the Belmont Stakes. 100% casino sign-up bonus, up to $3,000. Refer a friend. There's so many things you can do. Go check it out for yourself over at betonline.ag, our official sports partner for all of that stuff. I think it's a, a fascinating... I've been learning more about gambling through our partnership with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Remember that promo code is locked on. You can go check that out for yourself. It's a great source of information. It's a fun site just to kind of navigate and see what the betting world is thinking in terms of how things are going to turn out versus how you see like a national columnist think. Uh, One has a lot more on the line. Let's put it that way. Go check out BetOnline today. Uh, Remember that is betonline.ag, promo code locked on. So let's take a second here and dive into some of the pitching performances in AAA. We talked about the hitters. Let's see what the pitchers are doing. Yesterday, I used the Clippers official site. Today, I'm going over to Baseball Cube. I just like the layout there. I like a lot of the stats and information that you sometimes can't, aren't as front and center as it is on other sites. Specifically, a lot of, you know, the walk and strikeout percentages, bat pip right there. Yes, I know if I go to Fangraphs, I get a lot more information to get that runs created, which is a fun stat. I just like the ease of Baseball Cube. Uh, I'm a, I, have a premium account like i use baseball cube yes i kind of discovered them because of their wealth of college stats but i I still think uh (laughs) they're not paying for this i pay them to use their site but i did want to take a second and you know mention baseball cube because they are kind of the forgotten man in the fangraphs baseball reference uh battleground uh for statistics so the minor league squad you go down the line here, it is an older group. It has a lot of depth. It's a lot of players from other organizations. Uh, there's not as many guys who kind of stand out as ascending talents. There's a lot of guys who are, you know, on the the downswing or uh, on the never having quite connected level of talent for this team. I mean, just looking at 
players in the organization. You got Blake Parker, who's 36, TJ Johnson, who's 31, Matt Koch is 30, Kevin Hergett, they just added is 30, Anthony Ghost, who, yes, he was a, an outfielder first, so it's a weird situation. He's 30. Uh, Kyle Dowdy and Jordan Steffens, Stevens are 28. Justin Garza, who's, I mean, interesting statistical performance. Uh, they loved him uh, enough to draft him out of high school. He goes, I feel like, to one of the Cal schools. I can't remember which one. And they sign him, go over slot to sign him as a junior. Undersized guy, had some injury issues. But 27, six games, 12 innings pitched, uh, six walks. So that's that's not your ideal there. But he's uh, not giving up uh, any, uh, how should I phrase this? You know, he's he's walking guys at a, a rate that is not going to allow him to be successful. A walk per nine of 4.5, but the strikeout rate is over 10.5 with a good ERA. Uh, just going down the line, Scott Moss has only had 9.1 innings due to injury. Eli Morgan was at 13.2. I mentioned DJ, DJ Johnson. He's going to go join Team USA, so they're not going to even have him here for part of the summer. Just keep going down the line. I mean, I, I've talked about what a fan I am of Robert Broom. He's only had 9.2 innings. And, uh, you know, the strikeout rate is over 12. And the walk per nine is at 2.79. Now the ERA is 7.45 with a FIP of 5.96. So that's, that's not ideal. Now it's interesting because his ex-FIP is 3.25. And the reason why his performance is so bad is he has a home run rate approaching three per nine inning, which only nine innings means small, really small sample size for Broom. Uh, it's also a terrible park. So you balance it out. I mean, there are multiple players with like his home run rate is not even it's the third worst on the team. Let's put it that way. Uh, there are. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players, including like Juan Carlos Mejia, with home run rates of two or higher per nine, which is obscenely high in my book, uh, down there. And again, part of that is that park. So Broom, if you look into the numbers, I mean, there's reasons to be positive there. He also has a ridiculous bat pip of 375, uh, averages like 290. So very unlucky. So I'm still high on Broom. He's probably the most interesting pitching prospect down there who's healthy. You know, Logan Allen hasn't been healthy since he went down there. Scott Moss has not been healthy at all this year. That's why they keep adding guys like Matt Koch and uh, Kevin Hergett, who are, I mean, they're just, they're organizational depth arms because they need organizational depth arms right now. Uh, you know, that's why they have a Tanner Tully, uh, Ohio State product, not might be the only one in system. Um, I'm blanking on Trey Gant was the outfielder they drafted who really struggled, who I don't think stuck around all that long. Uh, so Tully is it, and he has been the consummate like have arm lefty is gonna he'll make a start in Lake County, and then his next start could be in Columbus, and his next start could be in Akron. And he just fills in as needed. Uh, he's been very worthwhile for them in that regard. He is 26 years of age. <laughs> you know, I was talking about Justin Garza, like his potential future. Tanner Tully, who was a senior sign, is younger than him. Who's the youngest arm, you might ask? Uh, that's 
Robert Broom, Logan Allen, Angel Lewis, Alvarez, and Juan Carlos Mejia, Kyle Nelson, and Nathan Ocker are the youngest arms who have pitched there this year. So again, Broom comes up, and he is really the only guy I'm looking at. It is This is a place where a lot of arms just have kind of ended up. This is kind of a churn spot. Uh, you know, maybe you don't want to like ruin anyone's dreams. It's like Kurt McCarthy, he just needs to miss more bats. He's got, you know, he's another one with a high home run rate, good walk rate, but he's just not missing the bats. And sometimes in my mind, I get him uh, confused with, I feel like the other guy I confuse him with, Shane, I'm blanking on his last name, is also here at this level, but I appear to be wrong with that. But yeah, it's the interesting guys have gotten opportunities. They've been called up almost you know, everyone outside of Moss, who's hurt, and Broom, who's a side-arming reliever, which makes it hard when you already have Nick Sandlin in that pen. Uh, I do think Broom is one of those 10 guys I mentioned, along with Sandlin and along with Owen Miller, who were the must-ads at the end of the year. So we'll see if I end up being correct there. But there's not a lot of help there. The Indians have really kind of decimated this group. You know, I, I talked about Kyle Nelson, Juan Carlos Mejia. Those guys have already been called up. This is where Nick Sandlin would have been. I mean, he start, He was at alt site. Uh, if he had been, if he had bit, gone to the minors, or if the minor league season had started as it typically starts, uh, he would have been there. But he just wasn't there because he was at the alt site before he got called up. Eventually, you know, we'll see uh, a shift up. I think we'll see someone get an opportunity from, you know, Double A Akron. I don't know when they're going to start moving players around probably not till June or July but like Nick Muljet uh I gotta listen to how it's pronounced again but Nick uh Milo Jack uh might be the top reliever right now in the the entire system uh he has been absolutely filthy 10 innings in double a k rate of 14.8 walk rate of 1.74 Zero earned runs. Uh, teams are hitting 162 off of him, but his bat pip is 300. So he's actually been slightly unlucky with that 162 average. That's how good he's been. Uh, Francisco Perez is an interesting guy who is taking well with the transition to the pen. Uh, there's you know, other players. Dakota Clemmer. Dakota Clemmer has always had good stuff, but he's still struggling with command. Uh, Juan Hillman just doesn't miss the bats uh garza tanner tully has also been down there just in terms of names we have talked about but yeah in this one it's uh Michelo jack i gotta look up his name and hear it pronounced francisco perez but the pitching again it's there's not as much here shane mccarthy who's the one i shane mccarthy and then kirk mccarty those are the two players i get confused uh a similar kind of builds uh and repertoires in my mind but the big thing here is the pitching is not in that upper minors it's not i mean there isn't a lot of the pitting prospects are there but the pitching prospects definitely are not there for the indians right now and other top guys are hurt and that's just through the system I'd love to see cody morris he's hurt i'd love to see joey Cant- uh, cantillo he's hurt i'd love to see scott moss and logan allen they're hurt uh, we'd probably see like Carlos Vargas in Double A, 
Tommy John surgery. Ethan Hankins would get up to double uh, A this year. Tommy John surgery. Uh, they're just hurting. Uh, while the major league team has been remarkably healthy compared to most squads, uh, the minor has been really beat up and specifically the pitching. And that's why, as we talk about like who is there to see in the minors, it's a very limited list in those upper groups, just because there's been so many guys who are banged up and hurt. Cody Morris is another guy who I think along with Joey Cantillo who have to be added to the horny man at the end of the year. And we haven't even seen them pitch yet this year. So those are some of our names to watch as we get further into the season. I've been Jeff Ellis. Remember, tune in tomorrow to hear me talk with Carlos Colazzo. Big show for us. Should be a lot of fun. Remember to follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And for the next year, maybe two, go Tribe.